Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about gestational diabetes. And as always, you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash GDM or in the antenatal care section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Gestational diabetes refers to diabetes triggered by pregnancy. It's caused by reduced insulin sensitivity during pregnancy and it resolves after birth. The most significant immediate complication of gestational diabetes is a large fidates fetus and macrosomia, essentially a large fetus. This has implications for birth, mainly posing a risk of shoulder dystocia, where the shoulder gets trapped on the way out. Longer term, women are at higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Anyone with risk factors for gestational diabetes should be screened with an oral glucose tolerance test, or OGTT, at 24 to 28 weeks gestation. Women who have previously had gestational diabetes in a previous pregnancy also have an oral glucose tolerance test soon after the booking clinic. Let's talk about the risk factors. The NICE guidelines from 2015 list the risk factors that warrant further testing for gestational diabetes. And these are previous gestational diabetes, previous macrosomic baby, of more than 4.5 kilograms at birth, a BMI above 30, certain ethnic backgrounds, specifically Black Caribbean, Middle Eastern and South Asian, and a family history of diabetes with one first degree relative. Let's talk in more detail about the oral glucose tolerance test. The screening test of choice for gestational diabetes is the Oral Glucose Tolerance Test, or OGTT. This is used as the screening test for gestational diabetes in patients who have risk factors and also to make the diagnosis if a patient develops features of gestational diabetes. For example, a large fidates fetus, polyhydramnius or increased amniotic fluid, or glucose on a urine dipstick test. An oral glucose tolerance test should be performed in the morning after a fast overnight. During this fast, the patient is allowed to have plain water. The patient has a 75 gram glucose drink at the start of the test and the blood sugar level is measured before the sugary drink when the patient has fasted and then at two hours after taking the drink. Normal results are less than 5.6 millimoles per litre fasting and less than 7.8 millimoles per litre at two hours after the glucose drink. Results that are higher than these values are used to diagnose gestational diabetes. A Tom tip for you, it's really easy to remember the cutoff for gestational diabetes as simply 5, 6, 7 and 8. The fasting result is less than 5.6 and the 2 hour result is less than 7.8. Next let's talk about management. Patients with gestational diabetes are managed jointly in diabetes and antenatal clinics with input from a dietitian. 
They need careful explanation about the condition and to learn how to monitor and track their blood sugar levels. They need four weekly ultrasound scans to monitor the fetal growth and the amniotic fluid volume from 28 to 36 weeks gestation. The initial management suggested by the NICE guidelines from 2015 is based on the fasting glucose level. If the fasting glucose is less than 7 millimoles per litre, a trial of diet and exercise for 1-2 to two weeks can be tried, followed by metformin and then insulin if necessary. If the fasting glucose is above 7 millimoles per litre, they're started on insulin with or without the addition of metformin. And if the fasting glucose is above 6 millimoles per litre, plus macrosomia, meaning a large baby, or other complications, they're started on insulin with or without the addition of metformin. A medication called glibenclamide, which is a sulfonylurea similar to glicolazide, is suggested as an option for women who decline insulin or cannot tolerate metformin. They need to monitor their blood sugar levels several times a day. The target levels given by the NICE guidelines in 2015 are less than 5.3 millimoles per litre if they're fasted, less than 7.8 millimoles per litre one hour after a meal, less than 6.4 millimoles per litre two hours after a meal, and they need to maintain levels above 4 millimoles per litre, avoiding their blood sugar levels going below 4 millimoles per litre. Next let's talk about pre-existing diabetes. Before becoming pregnant, women with existing diabetes should aim for good glucose control. Additionally, they should be taking 5 milligrams of folic acid as opposed to the normal 400 micrograms from preconception until 12 weeks gestation. Women with existing type 1 and type 2 diabetes should aim for the same target glucose levels as with gestational diabetes, which we just discussed. Women with type 2 diabetes are managed using metformin and insulin, and other oral diabetic medications should be stopped. Retinopathy screening, checking the eye for complications of diabetes, should be performed shortly after booking and at 28 weeks gestation. This involves referral to an ophthalmologist to check for diabetic retinopathy. Diabetes in pregnancy carries a risk of rapid progression of retinopathy, and interventions may be required. The NICE guidelines from 2015 advise a planned delivery between 37 and 38 plus 6 weeks gestation for women with pre-existing diabetes. Women with gestational diabetes can give birth up to 40 plus 6 weeks. A sliding scale insulin regime is considered during labour for women with type 1 diabetes. A dextrose and insulin infusion is titrated to the blood sugar levels according to the local protocol. The aim is to ensure very tight control of the blood sugar levels around labour and delivery. A sliding scale regime is also considered for women with poorly controlled blood sugar levels with gestational or type 2 diabetes. 
A Tom tip, it's worth remembering the importance of retinopathy screening during pregnancy for women with pre-existing diabetes. This is a favourite for exams and it will also score you extra points with your seniors if you mention it during the antenatal clinic. Finally, let's talk about postnatal care. Diabetes improves immediately after birth. Women with gestational diabetes can stop their diabetic medications immediately after they give birth. They need follow-up to test their fasting glucose level after at least six weeks. Women with existing diabetes should lower their insulin doses and be wary of hypoglycemia or low blood sugar levels in the postnatal period. Their sensitivity to insulin will increase after birth and with breastfeeding, so their pregnancy doses of insulin are likely to be too high and will lead to a low blood sugar level. Babies of mothers who had diabetes during pregnancy are at increased risk of neonatal hypoglycemia or low blood sugar levels because they're used to a greater supply of sugar, polycythemia or a raised haemoglobin, jaundice, which is a raised bilirubin, congenital heart disease, and cardiomyopathy. These babies need close monitoring for neonatal hypoglycemia with regular blood glucose checks and frequent feeds. The aim is to maintain their blood glucose above 2 millimoles per litre, and if it falls below this, they may need IV dextrose or nasogastric feeding. A final Tom tip for you, if you remember two complications of gestational diabetes, remember macrosomia or large for dates and neonatal hypoglycemia. Babies become accustomed to a large supply of glucose during the pregnancy and then after birth they struggle to maintain this supply with oral feeding alone. So thanks for listening to this episode on gestational diabetes. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you want to get early access to these podcast episodes, consider supporting Zero to Finals on Patreon at patreon.com slash zero to finals, where you'll also get early access to the YouTube videos, my full course on how to learn medicine, and also access to the Zero to Finals digital flashcards. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about obstetric cholestasis.